It is a joy to serve with you on today. Well, enough, enough, enough. Let's get to the Word of God. Now, um, uh, I want to I talk to you about a track today. Uh, I want to talk to you about a track. Uh, this last week, um, your, your executive pastor ministry uh, decided that uh, he would take off. And a couple of, the, of our pastors decided that they'd take off. And um, I had a pretty rough week doing all of their jobs, okay? I did. I had a pretty rough week trying to get that done. Um, and I have been, this last week and other weeks before, I have been, I've been stretched thin. Stretched thin. In other words, stressed out, burnt out, tired. Y'all come back and do y'all job because I don't want to do it no more. Praise the Lord, somebody. But don't laugh at me because you do the same thing as well. And we're going to talk about this track that God's calling us to walk in and to live in that many of us don't ever get the opportunity to do because we're outside the track, not inside the track. I want to talk to you about that in a moment. And let me just put you in the same frame of mind I was in so that we all can agree that we're all on the same page. <laughs> so I'm going to give you the top 10 things that proves your stretch thing. Top 10. What I want you to do is circle the one that applies to you. Circle the one, that, top 10, top 10 things. And if it applies to you, I want you to circle it and say, yep, that's me. Yep, that's me. And if you have none of them circled, then let the person you came to church with circle them because you might not be aware enough to know what's really going on. <laughs> Number one, first thing, top 10 things that shows that we're stretched thin. Top 10. Here we go. Number one, irritability. You're just irritable. You anytime somebody somebody texts you, somebody texts you and you be like, I can't believe it. And you just everything. Somebody says, Hey, anybody, what are you talking about? You 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 just irritable. Nothing they don't have to do anything, and you're just mad at the world. Irritable. Irritable. Number two. Number two. Second thing that you have a tendency to do is to be hypersensitivity. That is the feelings you're you're easily hurt. You're super emotional. Um, somebody texts you uh, uh, no, and you're reading into their no. You know what I mean? By, okay, somebody texts you, and you ask them a question, and say no. And then in your mind, you're reading it like, uh, you didn't have to say it like that. How do you know how they said it? They just text you. But all of a sudden, you're hypersensitive to everything, and your hypersensitivity leads back to you being irritable. Number three, number three. The third one is, Restlessness. <laughs> some of you, um, uh, if you finish your work, you want to do somebody else's work. You're just restless. Everywhere you go, you just, you just can't help it. You, you're twitching. You're trying, to, you're trying to see what else is there to do because you can't sit still somewhere. So everything is you are restless. You can't even sleep well. You get up in the night. What am I going to do? I need to do something. I need to do something. There's something going wrong. I need to do it. Here we go. Number four, uh, compulsive overworking. If, you're, if you just love to work, and work and work and work, and because you want to escape from life, you put it in work. Because you don't want to go home, you put it into work. Because you want somebody else to deal with them kids, you put in more work. Because you want more money, you have 15 jobs. Number five, emotional numbness. Why are y'all so quiet? <laughs> emotional numbness. Emotional numbness. That is where um, 
You're just numb. You wonder why somebody's crying. It don't take all that because it didn't hit you the way it hit them. Because you have become so hardcore, you're numb. Somebody's laughing and having a great time, and you mad at them for laughing and having a great time because your miserable life. <laughs> you, you don't know how to have fun. So you're mad that they're having fun because you have become emotionally numb. Somebody call you and give you some news, and you just say, well, pile something else on me because I can't take nothing else. Because you've become emotionally numb. How much you got so far? We got five more. Number six says, uh, escapism behaviors. Ooh. This one we just, it's too much. You just want to escape. That's why you go home and you watch Netflix. Over and over and over and over again. And that's why when you're watching it, now all of a sudden you start eating. So you're watching and you're eating. And it's 2 o'clock in the morning. And you escape it. For some of you, you go to alcohol. For some of you, you go to drugs. For some of you, I don't know what your choice is, but you go to something to escape from the world because the weight's too heavy and you can't keep up. And so now you're so stretched thin, you'll be like, who is caring for me? Let me care for myself with some popcorn and the Netflix. And don't be single because then you invite somebody over that you have no business inviting nobody over. You did it last night. The Holy Ghost talking to you today. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> number seven, number seven, number seven. Disconnected from calling and identity. Now you don't know what God's calling you to do, but you don't care. You're just trying to make money to keep up. You, care, you could not care one rip what God's called you to do. Now you find your identity from looking at other people and seeing what they like to do, and then you like to do what they like to do, even if God didn't call you to do uh, what you're currently doing. So now you get your identity from all the shows you're watching, from the people you're hanging out with, and not from the Word of God. Now you're getting your calling from what other people is telling you. Maybe you should do this. Now have you ever thought about doing this? Now they want to get you on their team so that, so that what's driving you now is their calling, not yours. Number eight, uh, hoarding energy. You have no energy for, <laughs> you have no energy for nobody else. They'll be like, listen, uh, you need to go to somebody else because the only energy I got is for me right now. I, I, don't have, I don't have nothing to give. Everything I have is for me because I am worn out, stretched thin, and I can take nothing else. How did we get here? Number nine. Ooh, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Slippage in spiritual practices. So now you don't read your Bible anymore. You're used to, but you don't. Now you don't read it as consistently as it used to. You don't have time to pray because praying takes up too much time and you don't see the immediate results. So you decide, God, listen, we'll catch you on the next side. And you wait until something bad happens to reach out to God. You wait until you don't get the promotion to reach out to God. You wait until something happens to the kids to reach out to God. You wait until your health is failing. And all of a sudden, now you want to have personal time with God. When all along, there is this slippage that you did not even realize was taking place. 
By the time you go get help, listen, here's what they tell me. By the time you go get help, you should have come six years earlier. Six. But you did not. You waited until the crisis showed up. Number 10, watch it, last one. Number 10, the lack of self-care. That's why you don't bathe no more. <laughs> to you who smell, take a bath. To you who don't exercise, take a bath. Why you don't laugh at that one? Laugh at that one too. <laughs> to you who used to exercise but you don't exercise no more because you don't have time for it lacking self care to you who have no hobbies you don't know everything to you is work, kids sleep work, kids, sleep, work, kids, sleep work, grandkids, sleep work, kids, sleep, work, video games sleep but you don't have time to take care of yourself to you who don't get no sleep because you're up antsy trying to figure out what you're going to do next. All I'm trying to suggest to you is that all of these happen because we are always in a hurry. And we're in a hurry because we are all, most of us, stressed out. So circle the one that applied to you real quick. Circle the one. Actually, some of you need to circle the whole page. Just circle, this is my life right now. God, please help me. Some of you need to do that. Because for a lot of us, a lot of these apply to us at the same time. So what you're going to do about it becomes the question and is the next four weeks of our talks together as we deal with this topic called stretched, say it with me, thin. One more time, everybody together, stretched, thin. Heavenly Father, guide us today as we go into your word. Teach us. Lead us in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. There are three, when, you, when you talk about Christianity or being a follower of Jesus Christ, there are really three things God's asking you to do. He's at, there are really only three things he's asking you to do if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Number one, he wants you to be with him. That's it. Hang out with Enjoy the beauty of hanging out with you. Taste and see how sweet he is. That's what, they, that's what the Bible demands, requires, is asking us, is, is inspiring us to do. Be with him. Number two, the text is suggesting that we should become like him. Be with him so you can become like him. Second thing that he wants to do uh, in our lives is he wants us to look just like him. That's why we're called Christians, looking like Jesus. And then number three, he wants us to do what he would do. Be with him. Become like him. Do what he would do. Now, the problem with that is this thing called hurry undermines all three. When you're in a hurry, it undermines all three of them, and therefore, no wonder, we're stretched in. Therefore, you cannot be walking in and according to God's will on the track if you're always in a hurry. So all ten of those things that I just suggested, are all the things that make us hurry up with life. But there's a text that talks about this that I want to hang out with today uh, in the book of Philippians, and we're going to talk about it in a moment. But I need you to realize that all of America is designed to make your life one big hurry. 
worse when it comes to the suburbs because we got to live up to something. A lifestyle of all of those around us. So what do we do and how do we do it? And what does God has to say about it? Ooh, will you stand and let's read the word that you thought I wasn't going to do today, huh? Will you stand and let's read the word of the Lord? Philippians chapter 4, let's start in verse number 13. Philippians, the fourth chapter, let's start in verse 13. In the book of Philippians, here's what he's suggesting to us. He's suggesting, number one, that in the first chapter, he wants us to have a single mind. Second chapter, he wants us to have a submissive mind. Third chapter, he wants us to have a spiritual mind. And fourth chapter, he wants us to have a secure mind. First, say that with me. First chapter, he wants us to have a single mind. Second chapter, chapter 2 of the book of Philippians, a submissive mind. Third chapter, he wants us to have a spiritual mind. Fourth chapter, he wants us to have a secure mind. Last time, everybody together, all campuses. Chapter 1 of the book of Philippians is talking about what kind of mind, everybody? Single mind, single mind, wants us to be focused. This one thing, focus. Chapter 2, he's talking about a submissive mind. I want you to be just like Jesus, who, who, who gave up something and became something so that he could be a sacrifice for us so we can hang out with God. Chapter 3, he wants us to have a spiritual mind. And chapter 4, he wants us to have a secure mind. Here we go, verse number 13. Here's the verse you love to quote out of context. Let's start with it and then put it in context because you love to, you love, you love this right here, boy. You love this verse right here. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I can, I can, uh, I can do, uh-huh. I can do all, uh-huh. I can do all things, uh-huh, uh-huh. through him, yeah, through him who strengthens me. Come here. The question becomes, what does this word all mean? Because if you read it incorrectly, you will put all in whatever you're doing. And you will miss the context of the whole passage. The text says, read it with me, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So the big question here is, what does this word all have, what does it mean? Why is it in here? Well, if you want to know, then you got to read what's above it. From verse number 4 all the way to verse number 13 to know the context in which he's saying, I can do all things. And maybe you won't preach it as much. Because that's a hard verse based on the context. So here we go. Verse number 4. Here's what he says. Verse number 4. Everybody read it with me, please. Rejoice in the Number one, first of all, the word rejoice is in the plural. It's plural. You can't see it in English, but it's plural, which means right before it, he's talking about two people that are having some issues, and he's saying, hey, guys, this is God's will for every believer. Plural, meaning you, meaning you collectively, meaning the church of Jesus Christ, rejoice in the Lord always. Here's what he's saying. Don't miss this. Do not miss this. Here's what he's saying. It is the will of God for your life. That you live in a state of rejoicing. It is God's perfect will for you to live on the track called rejoicing. Which means, if you're outside of this track, not rejoicing, but complaining, you're outside of God's will. What that means is, if you're in this track and something happens and you're all bent out of shape, it means that you are now outside of God's will. Paul is talking about this in jail. 
And he said, I have every reason in the world to be mad right now and to lose my joy. But that's not God's will for me. Because I know something that you and I are going to find out today that we have to realize so that in whatever the circumstance is, the devil himself cannot take me off track because God has given me something on the inside to deal with whatever circumstance so that I can rejoice in the Lord. And he says it always and again I say that's not everybody. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he says, you have no business being out here. Where I want you to stay is in here. So rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. you got it. Now, why does he not say rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I say rejoice in the Lord always. Doesn't do that. Why doesn't he say rejoice in the Lord always? Again, I say rejoice in the Lord. Why doesn't he do that? The only word he repeats is the declaration of. Oh, you're almost ready to sit down. Not quite yet. Hold on. Most people look at life. Here's what they say to themselves. They say, self, I have good days and I have bad days. They say, I have ups. And I have doubt. That's how we, most of us, look at life. And we say, man, last week was a great week. Or we say, last week was a bad week. I want to submit to you that that is an unbiblical way of looking at life. The biblical way of looking at life is, let's call this one a bad day. Let's call this track a good day. Here's what he's saying. When the bottom falls out of your life and it's a bad day, in the midst of your bad day, there's a lot of good things still happening in your life. The problem is the devil wants to scream at you that woe is me, how bad this is, which is why he wants you to step out of God's will and look at the bad day and focus only on the bad day. But a wise person knows. The reason I can rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice, because listen, the devil is yelling at me about this day. But at the same time, God is whispering to me about the good that's still happening at the same time that the bad is happening. I wish I had a witness in here today. I wish I did. One more thought, then you get to sit down. Here's what he says. In the best of your good days, when everything is going good and the stock market is going fantastic and your kids got all A's, in the, in the best of days, there's still bad happening. So you need to humble yourself in the best of days and realize that but for the grace of God, he could allow the bad to rise up in your life, but on today he's not. So now we can take a balanced approach to life and when the devil is yelling at us the bad, we can say, I know what you're trying to do, Mr. Devil, but in the midst of the bad, I'm going to highlight some good because God is good all the time and all the time. You may be seated in the house. You may be seated. Oh, we just getting started today. You done gave me a week off. Praise the Lord. Ah, about two weeks to marinate on this one. Come on, somebody. Now, listen, fam. I want you to watch what the text says, though. The text says, rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Now, watch the next verse. Next verse. Here's what it says. 
<laughs> Let your gentle spirit. <laughs> Some of you are saying, I didn't get that gift. <laughs> Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. In other words, you're not doing it. They're observing it and they are amazed by your gentle spirit. Watch it now. Next phrase. Don't miss the phrase. The Lord. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, God's called you to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. If all you do is focus on the negative, if all you do is focus on the bad thing that's happening, then you're not going to have a gentle spirit. And if you don't have a gentle spirit, you now just misrepresented Jesus. Which is why you have to have both balances there. And then he says, all the devil wants to do is to get a megaphone and yell about the bad day you're having in your ears. But he reminds us, the Lord, finish it with me please everybody, the Lord is near. Let me tell you why, why God's near. He's near because he never yells, he only whispers. So the, the enemy is going to yell, which is why whatever you're worried about is always exaggerated. It's always, because the enemy loves for you to step out of God's will and not rejoice. The text says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, in everything give thanks. In that, because this is the will of God. There is never a day or a moment when you don't have a grateful, thankful spirit. And if you don't have it, it means you're outside of the will of God. He's suggesting to us the devil's job is to blow up. The devil's job is to scream out whatever you're worried about and to magnify it so it looks and is as large as it can ever be. God's job is simply to whisper. You are a theologically educated body of believers is what he's saying. Therefore, just look on the other side of the track. Look at how good I am in the midst of the bottom falling out of your life. Now, I can't teach you this when the bottom falls out. That would be insensitive. But I can before it does. So it removes the power of the enemy so that you can rejoice in the Lord. But there's, only, there's a reason he can rejoice in the Lord. There's a reason he can do it from a jail cell. And he's going to tell you how to, when you're off track, how to get in. And then he's going to tell us how to stay, how, how, how to learn something that's going to make you stay in the midst and in the center of the track. So let's talk about it for a moment. Here's what he says next. Verse number six. Here's what it says. Huh. He says, rejoice in the Lord. He says, um, let your gentle spirit be known because he knows the enemy has a plan to get you off of the track of the will of God. Here's the enemy's plan. Read it with me, please, fam. Be for, huh, stop right there. Be anxious. Be worried. Um, fret not. Be worried about nothing. Now, it would have been fine if he says, hey, guys, can you just try not to be worried? That's not what he says. He says, be anxious about Therefore, nothing should cause us to worry. Therefore, nothing should cause us to step off the track. Therefore, if you come out of the track, it means the enemy has convinced you that God is not good. 
It means if you step out of it, you are now stepping into the enemy's territory and he is smiling because he has convinced you that the Lord is not near. And that since he's not near, you got to take matters into your own hands. I want you to see what you do every single day. Every day we do this. He says, be, there is, he says there's no wiggle room here. Don't be anxious about your kids. Don't be anxious about your money. Don't be anxious about your friends. Don't be anxious about your job. They don't control things he does. And if something happens, there is a reason for it. And if there's a reason for it, God's going to turn it out for good. It, watch this. Theologically accurate. It might not be for your good, but it will be for his good. Everybody loves to preach. It's going to work out for your good. I can't promise you that. That is a theology. That is a, that is a promise that you don't know the process to. So I don't know that it's going to work out for you good. But here's what he says. If you understand me, and he's going to give us an insight a little later on. If you understand who I am, I'm going to work this thing out for good. And in the end, you're going to see that it's the best thing that could have ever happened. You're going to see. Because he has a, his ways are not like yours. He continues. He says, be anxious for, no, he says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here's what he says. He says, I know what the devil going to do. The devil's going to, actually, let me stop blaming the devil on a lot of this. I know what your selfishness is going to do. Everybody loves to blame the devil. The devil's not fooling with most of us because he'll be like, y'all don't really have nothing y'all doing for God. So I don't have to fool with most of y'all. But anyways, here's what he says. He says, he says, he says, there are going to be times when you should be rejoicing in the Lord always. And, and again, I say rejoice, but you're not going to because worry is going to get you out. Then he says, when worry shows up, the way to get back on track is to pray, but you can't just pray any prayer. You got to pray and you got to make supplications. Emotionally, you got to tell God what's going on. God, I am only seeing the negative side and I need your help to see the good that's in here, please, in the name of Jesus. Then he says... I want, when you're praying, though, you can't just pray with and, and give supplications. You got to do it with thanksgiving. Why does he say that? Why is thanksgiving so important? Because you cannot be ungrateful and thankful at the same time. Here's what he says. Here's what he says. He says, you got to be thankful because when you see the negative, all you got to do is look back over your life. If you need to go all the way to the cross, you can. But you don't need to go that far. You can just look to the last two or three or four weeks and you will see God's hand of goodness all over your life. And so what he's saying is the way to get back in here is I want you to pray and I want you to pray passionately, engage your emotions, and then I want you to get back on track. And then when you're here, I want you to be thankful for all the things on this side of the track. And I want you to say, thank you, God, for all the things that you have done. Here's what you just do it. You switch your focus from the negative side to the positive side. And he says, that's the only way you get back on the track when worry and anxiety set in. Now, no, 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 no. Some of you don't get it yet. So let me show you two things to help you get it. Number one, 
What does the word worry or anxiety or anxious, what does that mean? Mm. It means that God has given you one cart to push around. He's given you one cart. And he said, everything I have for you is in this one cart. The problem with Americans, the problem with the Burbs people is that we don't think that's good enough. So we tell God, God, thanks, but I think I can handle two cards. And the word means to divide. So now all of a sudden, you have God's cart and your cart that you have no business handling, but now you're trying to manage both carts. And now this is how you look, being overwhelmed, hurried, and worked. You're trying to bring both carts. And you're back. And you look cray-cray, wondering why everybody around you only have one. And then you get arrogant with it, talking about, that's lazy. You only got one car? Do you know the life I'm living? I got two cars. And, and God's good. That's, you, know, you know how you get this house that we got? Two cars. Do you know how you get all them kids and can feed them? Two cars. Do you know how you get this much money in the bank? Two cars. Do you know how you die? Two cars. <laughs> I wish I had a witness in here. I'm trying to help somebody. God says... If you're going to stay, rejoice in the Lord. Oh, when you had one cart, you're, you're skipping. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. When you have two carts. God, I need your help. Oh, God. Oh, God. I need your help. God. Oh, God. Oh, God. I need your help. And then you go to all the other places to get help because you can't handle two carts. I'm going to show you what he says in a minute. But he doesn't want you to be divided by worrying. This is what keeps you off the track. But secondly, 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 secondly um, he says, the way to get back on track, because this is my will for you, rejoice in the Lord always. The way to get back on track is when you pray. But when you pray, you must make supplications. And when you make those supplications, you must do it with thanksgiving, thanking God for all that you can see. On the very same day that your bottom drops out, there's still good that he is doing, and he wants you to open your eyes so you can see the good and not just focus on the bad. But you too sophisticated. You. So here's what you have a tendency to do. Lord, I'm making my supplications. And I'm going to pray about it. Let me get my little prayer box. little prayer box. So you go down on your knees, ready to pray, and you write down your prayer. Lord, I need this promotion. And I'm losing my joy because I'm not getting it. But you say, I must pray. My, my, my. And I must pray with thanksgiving, with supplication, with thanksgiving. And I must make them be known to you. Please deal with it, God. I'm going back on track. This you, this you, this you, this you. I'm going back on track. And then you hold on for a little while and you say, okay, God, 
I need to be on track. But then God ain't working fast enough. He's not working fast enough. And you're like, God, I'm trying to rejoice, but I'm leaning to the negative side. Because somebody else got the job, God. So what you're doing, God, and then this is you. This is you. You know what, God? Let me take this thing back from you. Because you ain't handling it the way you're supposed to. So I'm going to take my prayer. And instead of carrying that, I'm going to just carry a little car. Because I got it better. Then you want to come back talking about rejoicing the Lord always. And God says, no, no, no. 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 One, it don't work like that. But number two, you can't try to control everything. Because then you're God. And you have become your own God. So now, you're supposed to be rejoicing, but you're consuming yourself with the stuff the devil is yelling at you. And you're carrying around. You think, and we think we're so smart. Because then we say to God, but God, I'm not carrying the cart. It's not that cumbersome. Look what I'm carrying. I'm just trying to help you because it seems like you're a little slow. You know what? Can I get a witness somebody? Because you know you do it. You go right back to the prayer box, take it up, and say, God, I got this. I got this. I got this. He says, he says, I'm just, see why you, you, why you must read the Bible? You just read it and it will come alive. Here we go. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let God know. Next verse. Here's what he says. Now he says, and the peace of God. No, 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 no. Don't run past peace. Don't run past peace. Worry divides. Peace makes whole. So priest brings it back together and makes what was divided whole. God says, if you're stressed out, burnt out, stretched out, running in two different directions, it's because you are at war with God and you yourself lack the peace of God. So you're not just busy, you're actually at war with God. Because you're not whole and he's desiring you to be whole. Preach, pastor, preach, pastor, preach, pastor. Watch the text. He says, and the peace of God... And nobody's going to understand it, which surpasses all comprehension. He says, non-Christians ain't going to get it. And he says, the busy Christians ain't going to get it either. None of them will understand because it's far superior to how they think. Don't miss it. So he says, the world's going to love this because you look successful. You're acting successful. You're dressing successful. You're hanging out with successful people. You're moving and you're shaking. And then he says, hold on, hold on, hold on. But you lack something, the peace of God. Because you have no peace. Because you're carrying so much on you. Watch it now. And now you don't even have joy because you're outside of the will of God. He says, the peace of God, all I'm saying, um, surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your in Christ Jesus. Watch what the text says. This is so good. Then why does this, why, why does the peace of God need to guard your heart and your mind? Because, go to the top seven stressors now. The top seven stressors in America today. Here they are. 
top seven stressors. Here there it is. Number one, you don't have to guess about him, your job or your work. What's he trying to guard from you? You worried and stressing about your job and your work. He says, I, I, I want you to be faithful and do what I've called you to do. And then let me worry about the promotion. Let me worry about the increase. Let me, wor- let me take that on. You don't have to. Be faithful. Be diligent. Show up. Do your job. Do the best of your ability. Add value. And then watch what I do. Number two, he says, uh, money. Money, money, money. This is, this is current day. And in the last three months, here are the top stressors in America. Money. And by money, they mean the stock market. By that, they mean um, when things go up and when things go down. For some of you, really, if the stock market went to 1500 you'd jump off a building. Because your faith is in your money. Your trust is in your money. Actually, money is your God. Because you love it that much. I'm going to talk to you about how to deal with that in a minute. But I need you to know, this is what's causing it. So when we're in God's will, the reason we can't rejoice is because you watch your account every single day. And you watch your 401k, your 403b. You watch your um, broker's account, brokerage account. You watch it all. Worried about it every single day. And then you think you're so small. Oh, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put some in metals and I'm going to put some in real estate. I'm going to put some. And you try to wiggle your way out. And all of that's wise. But be careful that you're looking at that more than you're looking at your Bible. Somebody in Garland just says, yes. Here we go. Number three. Uh, health problems. That's what we stress about. You don't need God when you think you're young and you can do whatever. You Superman. But get a little older. Let, let, let there be some cracking when you get out of bed. Y'all, some of y'all don't know nothing about that yet. Some cracking. You just, oh, oh, I never used to crack. How come I'm cracking all the time now? <laughs> yeah, you're cracking. All of a sudden you get out of bed and you're hurting. And you didn't do, you didn't play no game. You didn't do nothing. You just can't move a muscle. Out of bed, you go. Whoa, whoa, what just happened? Hey, Doc, what's happening? What's happening, Doc? You getting old. No, if you're, if, you're under, if you're under 35, you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's okay. Keep living. Can I get a witness, old folk? Keep living. Just tell them, keep living. It's the only time you agree that you're old folk. If I said that, I'd get emails talking about, how oh, you calling us old? How oh, you calling us old? Talk about some cracking? Mm-hmm. <laughs> number, four. <laughs> number four. Oh, God. Oh, God. There you go. That caused everybody stress right there. Relationship. Co-workers relationship. Employees relationship. Superiors relationships. Parental relationship. Spousal relationships. They stress us out. Right? Next one, number five. <clears throat> this is a new one. Personal safety. <clears throat> Personal safety stresses us out now. It didn't before, but about every single week now, there's a new masculine. And all of a sudden, here in Texas, everybody packing. Because I'm going to kill you before you kill me. That's all we got now. Because everybody worried 
about their first semester. And legitimately, you should be concerned and you should take action as a church. We did, and we, there's some things we're doing now that's different. But yeah, we should. But, but ultimate safety comes from God. And the way you're going to rejoice in the Lord always and not worry about everything dealing with safety is if you realize that God promised you today, not tomorrow. So live your best for today. And don't think you deserve tomorrow. You don't deserve it. It's a gift when you get to experience it. You don't have to agree. Just read the Bible. Anyways, the last one is, last one is meteor overload. And then we have one more thing. Uh, the economy. Let's not talk about the economy. Yeah, I'll leave that alone. All right. Now, why are these important? Because these are all the things that get us to not rejoice in the Lord always. And for some reason we think, well, if this happens, then I need to know what I'm going to do. And you overthink it and you spend so much time worried about it that you don't have time to rejoice in the Lord. Always. And again, I say rejoice. Let's get back to the text now. Watch what happens next. Here we go. So, you know, to get back on track, you have to pray. But how do you stay on track and never come off track? How do you do that? Watch it. He tells us. Next verse, verse 8. Let's go fast now. Um, then he says, in order to do that, you need to know that you need to guard your heart and mind. What? Why? Because there are eight people that you should invite to the party of your heart and on your mind. Everything else, you're not included. You're not invited. Stay out. You don't get to come in. Parents, I need you to watch this one. Here we go. Here's what he says. In your mind, what should be in your mind are these eight things. Nothing else. Number one, what is, what is, what is, what is, what is, what is of, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, what should you do, family? See what he's saying? The reason we're not here is because, it's because, it's because we're dwelling on something else. We're spending our time hanging out with something else. That's why we're worried, and that's why we're not on the track of rejoicing the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. He says the enemy wants to get in your mind and in your heart, and he's going to do it through the television. He's going to do it through what you watch. He's going to do it through the voices you listen to, and they're all going to stress you out. Which is why he says you got to watch your intake just as much as you watch what you don't allow to come in. And he gives us eight of them and says, this is, what I want, this is where I want you to hang out every single day. This is where I want to hang out. Okay, let's move on now. <clears throat> He's going to now tell you how to stay on track so that you never get off. This is so powerful to me. Now, verse number nine, here we go. <clears throat> verse nine says, watch it now. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Earlier he says the peace of God. Now he says the God of peace will be with you. <clears throat> you're walking on the track. You're, you're rejoicing in the Lord. The God of peace will give you the peace of God so that you can live life and have live it more abundantly, which is his will for you. Why do we come off track? Next verse. <clears throat> but I Watch it. Watch the movement of the text. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now, at last, you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, indeed, <clears throat> you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Here's what this looks like. This looks like Paul is actually mad at them. Doesn't it? He says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. It looks like the reason for his rejoicing that now, at last... It looks like he's saying, 
Y'all should have given me some money before now. But I'm glad you're now doing it. So it looks like the source of his rejoicing is that they have now given him some money. <laughs> Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. It looks like they, you should have given me some stuff. You didn't give me some stuff. So I'm, I'm off the track, but I'm going to rejoice anyways because at least now you're doing what you're supposed to do. It looks like that's the case. Next verse. He corrects it. Not that I speak from want. For I have learned, ah, but I've learned something before you go to the word. Let me tell you, I've learned something, which means you can't, you just don't learn this from going to church. What he's going to talk about next, how to stay on this track. He says, this is something I have learned over the years. So you can be a believer for 50 years and not learn what he's about to tell you. He says, if you're going to walk on this track and stay on this track and rejoice in the Lord always, it means you got to learn something. What do you have to learn? Believers, here's what he says, family of God. He says, I've learned to be. I have learned to be. In whatever circumstances. I, here's what Paul's saying. You get off because you worry. To get back on, you got to pray. Here's what he says now. But I've learned something. I've learned to stay on this track and never leave. Paul, how you learned that? He says, I've learned to be content so that whether it's a bad day or whether it's a good day, I've learned to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I've learned to be content. Paul, how do we as believers learn this? He's going to tell you, and please don't miss it. Next verse. Here's what he says. I know, I know how to get along with huh, one extreme, and I also know how to live in. Huh, I know how to get along if I'm broke. I know how to get along if I have a whole lot of money. I know how to get. I know how to. I know how to live if I if I if I live in the ghetto, and I know how to live if I live in the burbs. I get both of them. He continues. In any and every circumstance, I have, same word, learned the secret. Oh. So I learn it, but it's also a secret. Which means not everybody know it. Which means that's why some people lose their minds. But you don't have to, he says. Because I'm in jail preaching this to you. And if you were in jail, you'd be mad, especially for something you didn't do. You'd be mad. Paul says, there's a reason I can stay on the track in the midst of being in jail. He continues. He says, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret. That's what it is of being and of going. Whoa. Another contrast. I have everything I ever desired and I have nothing. I learned how to live in both worlds. How, Paul? How, how, how? Uh, both of having and suffering. So I'm living in abundance and I got great needs. I know how to live in both worlds. And I'm teaching my kids how to live in both worlds. What's the text now? Humble. Going hungry. Suffering needs. Prosperity. Being filled. Having abundance. Here's what Paul's saying. 
I know how to live in, any, in every situation. Abundance, prosperity, being filled. I can live on this side of the track. Suffering, hungry, in need, I can live on that side of the track. Nothing prevents me from rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Don't clap yet. Watch the next verse now. Next verse. I can do all things, but not all the things you think in. I can do all. What does the all refer to? Go back to the next verse. What does the all refer to? Whether it's humble or prosperity. Whether it's filled or hungry. Whether it's having abundance or suffering. It don't matter what you say to me, Satan. I can live in both worlds. I can do all things. I can live on this side. I can live on that side. I can live in the middle. Because what makes me rejoice has nothing to do with my circumstances. So then what does it have to do with if it's not your circumstance? Oh, I'm preaching good today. I'm preaching good today. This is going to help somebody today. I promise you, Pastor Z, this is going to help somebody today. Watch this now, watch this now, watch this now, watch, watch, watch. Then how do I live not with want? I want to teach you today how to live with abundance. Ooh! How do you live with this spirit with this thing called Abundance. How do I do that? But as you leave today, every campus, you're going to get one of these. And this is your prayer that you're going to pray over your life every day before you walk out of that house. On the one side, it has how to be content in abundance. On the other side, it has how to be content in misery. And you have both sides because you don't know which one God's going to serve up on a particular day. So if you're going to stay on the track, then you got to walk in both on the track. Rejoice in the Lord always. How do I do that, God? My circumstances look bad. How do I do that? It looks like this is not fair, God. How do I do that? I got a lot of money, but the money can't fix the problem I got. What do I do now, God? Here we go. How to be content in abundance. Six things you need to pray all the time. Number one. Here we go. God. I know I do not deserve, it's all grace. <laughs> if you're going to live this out, you need to pray this prayer. You're going to get this on the way out. Don't write, you don't have to write nothing. You're going to get it on the way out. Okay? But this, and the reason you're getting it is because I want you to pray it over your life every day until it becomes second nature for you. No, hold on. Watch it now. Don't miss any of these. I do not deserve abundance. It's all grace. God, I don't deserve what I should. Somebody else might have should have deserved it. I don't deserve it. God, I know I got education. I know, I know, I know you've made me pretty smart, but I still don't deserve it. I still don't deserve to be in the five, six, ten percent of this world that lives like that lives like I get to live. I don't deserve it. Number two. Number two. You have to realize how freely, how freely he could replace abundance with suffering since both are gifts. Don't miss this. Since both suffering and abundance is a gift. Oh, I wish I had somebody in here today listening. Both of them are gifts. 
Paul's in jail and he sees it as a gift. When the bottom falls out on your life, it's a gift. Because you serve a sovereign God that's in full control. It's a gift that he would consider you the one to have to go through this. If his son had to go through it and his son had to consider it a gift, why do you think God's mad because something bad happens to you? It's a gift. That's what it is. But he says, don't forget it, abundance is a gift too. And don't think you deserved it or you earned it. It is God himself that showed you favor. It's God himself that made your life so hard that you'd have the motivation to do work hard to not be in the situation you were when you were born. It is God that set you up so you could have what you have today. Don't think it's all about you. Number three, watch it. God is supreme and all satisfied. Jesus is the ultimate treasure. The reason people get messed up on this track is because their abundance was their treasure. And so because when they lose it, they can't survive because Jesus never was. Or their misery and it's now overwhelming them. And so now they say, how could a good God do this to me? That's because the good God was never your treasure in the first place. Because if he was, then you still had it in the midst of your drama that you're going through. Say it, pastor, say it! Next one. Abundance, what? Abundance is rubbish compared to Jesus Christ. Here's what Paul said. I consider it all but dumb. Every title they gave me, every opportunity they gave me, that's absolute nonsense compared to the surpassing glory of Jesus. See, that's why the devil can get you all off rejoicing the Lord always. Because if everything I have, it's absolute trash. Everything, your little car, your little house, your little pool in the back, your little, your little, your little fancy four-bedroom house, your little, your little jewelry, your little, your, it's all trash compared to who Jesus Christ is, because he is the real treasure. He is the real treasure. Not your designer clothes. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Hey, this one's from Neiman's, y'all. This one's from Neiman's. Mm, it's Louis V, Louis V. Mm. Couture, is that one? Couture, is that one? Uh, let me stop. I don't know no more. Um, next one. Rest in God's worth so much that if it is taken away, contentment remains. Rest, rest in God's worth so much that God, if you take it all, contentment still remains. That's why Paul can say, hey man, if you kill me, I get to be with Jesus. If you let me live, I get to preach Jesus because it's all about Jesus. But if you ever let your abundance get you to thinking, that you're all that. It's only, actually, let me give you a little sad news. If you let your abundance stay there that long in the place of God, God says, I'm jealous. So you're actually inviting him to take some of it away so you can see who God really is. Let's flip the script. You have one more? Let's, let's get, here's the last one. Uh, give thanks for abundance. It is utterly undeserved. Utterly Undeserved. Here's all that means. All that means is the rest of the world 
that don't have your abundance, that's where you should be. But for the grace of God. So don't think it's all you. It's just his grace. Now, how do you live when it's utterly miserable? How do you live when the, the worst you could ever think of happens? How do you prepare your heart for that right now? How do you do it? You cannot do it at a funeral. You got to do it now to get you ready for the funeral. How do you do it? Here we go. He tells us. He tells us, number one, how to be content in misery. Acknowledge the joy and tears and know that misery is from God's loving hand. You're talking about a dude in jail. And he says, God, I know what you're up to. It's your loving hand. And I'm going to bless you in the midst of the pain. Number two, second one. He says, remember that God turns all misery for good. Might not be yours, but it is for his good. Number three, he says, Christ is more desirable than all the world has to give. We don't believe this. Christ is more desirable than everything this world has to give. Next one. Then he says, make your desires known to God in prayer, whatever you need. Two more. Next one. He says, trust that God will complete his promise to give you peace when, the feel, when feeling misery. And then the last one. Here it is. Rest in realizing that Christ, you are content with death or with life. The prize, the treasure is Jesus. I know some of you have been like, Pastor, I don't have the rest of the notes. Just go to your, at the end of the, at the, end of the third service, it will all be there. And so go look at it and you can take it from there. But we couldn't get out of the word today. That's a good thing when you stay in the word the whole time. Um, come on, family. Father, we get it. We don't treasure you enough. Will you teach us all how to put abundance and misery and check compared to the surpassing glory of Jesus. Help us, God, to, to rejoice in the Lord always. And when the enemy yells out at us something we should be concerned about and we happen to step off the track, will you remind us to pray and with uh, thanksgiving get back on track. Rejoice in the Lord always. And then, God, will you over time teach us this secret Will you help us to learn the secret to be content no matter the circumstance? And the way we do that is by treasuring Jesus over all that he has given us and over all the misery that we might have to go through. Will you teach us how to do that? We're not there yet, but teach us how to do it. Because we realize that right now we might have peacetime in this incredible country, but tomorrow is not promised. Therefore, we have to live our lives realizing it might be abundance or it might be misery. Either one, help us to be content and rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Teach this body of believers how to do that, we pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody say, Come on, everybody. Put your hands together for God.